There we go. Welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. It's obviously me, Hams, again, and we've got two more episodes before we have a little uh, international break of our own. At this time of speaking, it's international break. So we're looking forward to not really seeing the friendlies in international football, more about the World Cup playoffs. And one of the World Cup playoffs that I really wanted to talk about was Portugal versus Turkey. And who better to invite onto the podcast this week than obviously our favourite Portuguese uh, lawyer, who obviously, if there's any copyright for our podcast, he will sort it out for me as well. So, And is also a fantastic football coach and is a football scout as well. Obviously, you all know him as Felipe Never. So, Felipe, thank you very much for joining the podcast again. Good to see you, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Hamza. First of all, for the invitation. It is great to be here with you guys. Uh, I am, despite all the situation uh, and the current circumstances in Europe, I, I am well. My family is also well, so everything it's it's pretty pretty awesome right now. Benfica is playing well, so in in Champions League, so I think it's 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 good good mood in a good mood right now. Yes, hundred percent. And literally, as you said afterwards on our group chat, when Benfica got through and Man United lost, you're like, "Don't worry, Hamza, you can support Benfica now for the rest of the tournament." So I'm like, "Absolutely, uh, Benfica are my team for the rest of the tournament." Hopefully, I don't bring any bad luck, but um, it'll be good to see how Benfica do in the rest of the Champions League going forward. But there's a lot to talk about today, Felipe. There's so much I want to ask you and there's so much that we're going to go through um, between us. But what I really wanted to ask you more about is we'll start with Benfica, then we'll go into the Portugal qualifications. Then we'll have our little six aside, as we always do. Um, but what I really wanted to know, first of all, is what's the reaction back home um, in Portugal in terms of the World Cup qualifications that you've got coming up? Because I want to talk about how Portugal were really robbed in that game against Serbia, when the ball crossed the line, there was no goal line technology. It was quite worrying to see how it wasn't available for an international game of that stature as well. Um, but what's the feeling back home? Are you quite confident for this game against Turkey? Um, that's coming up, Felipe? Yeah, so so that is a really good question because right now we are not so confident uh, uh, okay. just because uh, uh, I think it's more related to our coach, Fernando Santos, than, than probably the team. So Portugal comes to this playoff pressure not to miss the first participation in a major national team competition, uh, national competition since the World Cup in France in '98. So yes. we are in this situation through our own fault since we couldn't overcome Serbia in a Group A, despite that uh, miserable uh, decision from the assistants on Serbia's uh, game, first game in in, in Serbia. Uh, I think right now we are in a very difficult position. So um, I think we are not strong and concentrated in the last game uh, with oh, okay. Serbia. And now we can compromise the, the last particip participation of, of Ronaldo in a World Cup. So uh, we have an amazing player such as uh, Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, João Félix, Bruno Fernandes, Diogo Jota, Ruben Dias, among others. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of injured players, so um, uh, Portugal will play without its usual starting defense. So no Ruben Dias, no Pep from uh, Porto, Nelson yeah. Smith from Overhampton is injured as well, and Cancelo is is punished for for the first uh, match. So it will be uh, quite difficult. Yeah, it's quite sad to see how uh, or Pepe is injured or Pep, as you said, is out because of COVID, and then you've got so many players who play fantastic football all season round. And then they're out for the international qualifiers. And it's quite sad to see how that's going to happen because it looks like you're going to start with the likes of uh, Diogo Dallo, Jose Fonte, uh, De Jallo from Lille as well. And maybe even Nuno Mendes or Nuno Mendes um, from PSG as a, as a left back. The, the listeners, when you're hearing me repeat words, I'm trying to say it in an English way <laughs> and also a Portuguese way because of our Portuguese guest who's, well, has, who's taught me well on how to pronounce Portuguese names. Um, but no, realistically speaking, it's, it's quite odd, isn't it, Felipe? Because you've only got a one leg for this playoff because it's a semi-final yes. and it's a final playoff against the likes of Italy or North Macedonia as well. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing this game tomorrow against Turkey, who are normally quite a resilient team who we saw in the European Championships before as well. But realistically speaking, um, as, I, as I've said to you before, I've really been a big fan of Jao Felix, who I thought has been a very good player coming through, who wasn't really right for the... Um, for the Simeone uh, team at Atletico Madrid, um, apart from those two games where he played against Manchester United, where he scored one and assisted one as well. And it's quite worrying to see how 
um, João Felix turned up in those games, but also quite promising from a Portuguese point of view that he's on good form, ready for a game where um, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, who's had a game or two where he hasn't really done well, Diogo Jota being in and out of the team, and Bruno Fernandes not really at his high-flying best as we, as we love to see him as well. Could that be something that um, you'll, you'll see him starting a bit more in the next coming years for, for Portugal, João Felix? Yeah, so, so first of all, I'm a huge fan of João Felix. So João Felix made his, his uh, formation in, in Benfica and he, he shined there for one season before he joined uh, Atletico Madrid. So in my opinion, I think uh, this late uh, breakthrough from João Felix is more about Atletico Madrid, you know, uh, season and all uh, Diego Simeone tactics than probably uh, João Felix fault. I think uh, Diego Simeone has the team very, very back on the field. So in my opinion, I think uh, he perfectly can can play uh, with Suarez, Griezmann and João Felix in three in the, in the front. So João Felix can do all three positions or can support, fit both strikers. Griezmann can do the same thing. I think the the uh, Suarez could be the, the main striker and uh, Diego Simeone could play with two, uh, two uh, false nines or something like that or in uh, both at the wings. So I think it's more about that that because John Felix has all the all the, the, the magic, all the skills, all the all the tactics as well. So I am looking forward, but I, I think that John Felix he, he will move to, to I think England is his uh, city. I know that that you are not fan of Man City, but I think City is one of the teams that could um, allow uh, João Felix to to be uh, the João Felix that we, we we know. Because I think it's more about uh, you know Tiki Taka. João Felix is more into that than in a counter attack player. So yeah, yeah, it worked well in that false nine position as well with João Felix. I think he would. Um... Even Grealish is still settling in. You've got Julian yeah. Alvarez from River Plate moving there next season as well. So instead of spending a lot of money on Erling Haaland, they could go for someone like Jao Felix, who will actually fit the system Pep Guardiola is already playing and working really well um, to his benefit as well, which would be great. And another young player coming to England, settling in and turning English Premier League upside down, as we've seen with Manchester City, it could be Jao Felix who's the next one to do that. And I'd be looking forward to seeing him play not so much for Man City, like you mentioned <laughs> as well, Felipe. Um, it's just one of those things that I want to see good football being played as well, which would be yeah. great. But um, final thoughts on the Portugal versus Turkey game. If you win, do you think you could be Italy or North Macedonia? Because I don't want to be that guy that says it's going to be Italy because football, anything can happen. We, yeah. we don't know what could happen. But do you think you can make it to the World Cup? And um, do you think Ronaldo has it in him to take it further? One more step as well, because it's really the crunch time for his, his career at this moment in time, 37 years old, trying to get into that World Cup in 2022 in December and November, respectively. Yeah, so so that is a good question. So right now, a lot of people are already talking about the super clash uh, with Italy. But yeah. first, we have to beat Turkey. Uh, Turkey, they are a very solid team that plays very well in transition, so counter-attack. They have Buruk Ilmaz, that is a magnificent player. They have a, a strong midfield, so if we get through, and uh, Italy does too, it will be a, a game worth of a World Cup semi-final or a quarter-final or even a final. So uh, it's an unpredictable result, result. And I hope that the, the, the supporters in Porto will help Portugal win. But I believe it will be very complicated to reach uh, the World Cup. Uh, because right now, I think uh, all the injuries, all, the, all the, um, the, the players injured from Portugal... Uh, I cannot see the same in Italy, just only Chiesa is, is injured, uh, from my understanding. And I think that will be tough. And um, England, it's our favorite uh, national team to play with, you know. Yeah. But uh, because we, we all almost in the last two or three major tournaments, we win or we won it. Uh, but with Italy, it's the opposite. So uh, with Portugal, Germany, Italy, um, France... But uh, with France, we won uh, the, the hero, uh, so we, we we are now in the, the good side. So, but with, especially with Italy and Germany, it's really difficult to us to to, to beat uh, those two teams. Uh, and uh, I think that will be really tough. But at the end, I expect that Portugal, and especially for Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo deserves to be there. 
Uh, I know that Italy also, because they are the European champions and they have a brilliant team, but I hope that Portugal will uh, be in Qatar. Definitely. And like I said before, obviously Italy, they beat England in the Euro, so it, I, don't have, I don't have great <laughs> memories of Italy. But I do, I, to be fair, I do. I had a nice time when I watched Italy versus Spain, the semi-final, that was good. But obviously, I'd rather see Ronaldo at one more World Cup. If Messi was to make it to the World Cup as well, that'd be great as well. For football fans in general, it would be brilliant to see how they would um, probably have their last World Cup together, together playing as well, which would be really fun to see. Um, but yeah, it's all about beating Turkey, then beating this really strong it- Italian side who obviously are at full strength, minus Chiesa. Um, but we're going to see how that goes and hopefully Portugal get the win for that as well, which will be great. Uh, but now, Felipe, I need to talk to you more about how Benfica, your, your boyhood club, are actually doing pretty well um, in the Champions League this season as well. So it's been very fun to see how they've been playing, especially in the group stages. I really enjoyed them. Because the last two games that we were pl- they played against Ajax, I didn't get to watch probably because the- they were on the same night as Manchester United. So I only saw the highlights and the goals and stuff like that. But what can you tell us about what's changed this year compared to last year with Benfica and with their style of play, with the players that they have, and what really we can expect in the next round of the Champions League uh, for Benfica, Felipe? Yeah, so uh, I believe it was a surprise to most of non-Benfica fans and even to some Benfica fans, this, this progress to, to, to the quarterfinal. So this is because Benfica has had a, a bipolar season, this season quite uh, short of what was desired internally. So since December, uh, we are far from the fight for the national champion uh, title. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, in Europe, we have had an exceptional performance. We've beaten two qualifying games for the Champions League, eliminating uh, Spartak Moscow and also PSV. And in the group stage, as you mentioned, uh, inserting a very complicated group, we eliminated Barcelona, who despite not having the best season uh, in their history, lost 3-0 in Stavros and uh, we drew uh, in uh, in no camp uh, 0-0. So in in the round of 16, we have earned favourites to eliminate Ajax, who made a great group stage, winning all the games with goals against uh, Sporting, uh, Dortmund and Besiktas, uh, and a super uh, fit uh, Haller. So, I think Befica was very pragmatic in both games, playing in counter-attack and creating difficulties in Ajax defence. So, the game in Amsterdam was perfectly uh, in terms of, of defence, so Otamendi and Vertonghen, that Premier League uh, finest defenders. They played really well. And in a set piece, the inevitable Darwin Nunez scored the, the decisive goal. So uh, the draw was not kind to us since uh, we will face one of the best teams in Europe. And nevertheless, the first home game will be decisive for us if we come out uh, of the first leg alive. Anything can happen at Anfield World. So we are not, we are hoping to repeat the result from the last time we faced uh, Liverpool when we won 2 0. Athens Road goes uh, from Simão Sabros and Nicoli after uh, the victory 1-0 at home. So mm. it will be really difficult because Liverpool is, is one of the best teams uh, worldwide. Nevertheless, if we are here, we will play uh, like, like Lions, you know, like Eagles, <laughs> because we are the Eagles. Uh, but at the same time, it will be really, really tough for us. Oh, you made me smile there, Felipe, when you said, just before you talked about Vertonghen and Otamendi, you talked about how you literally just surprised Ajax. And I remember in our little podcast group, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, easy win for Ajax. I've been very impressed with Ajax this season. Obviously, being a Man United fan, I've been keeping an extra eye on Ajax because of the Ten Hag links. Mm -hmm. So one of the guys was just there like, no, Benfica are really good. Watch out for Benfica. I know they're good, but I think Ajax are better. And then he was like the only one to predict Benfica to win. And then, like, after the game, the Man United game and the Ajax game, obviously, we were all upset. But it's like, at least Benfica won. And I told you all that Benfica <laughs> could win. So I'm just there, like, oh, my days. This was awful. <laughs> but, and you're making it worse because I lost in our little prediction game that we're playing on Instagram as well. But literally, Benfica with Otamendi, with Vertonghen at the back, Grimaldo, I've always been a big fan of, fantastic uh, left back to play. Your goalkeeper as well. It's been a big improvement, your number 99. What's, it, what's his name? Vlakodimos? Yes, Vlakodimos is from Greece. The, the national is the he was born in, in Germany, but he is placed for, for Greece. Mm. He's really good. He's really good. I think he, he's really consistent. So so I think he's one of the good players uh, from, from Benfica's team. 
Yeah, definitely. And I've been really impressed with obviously Darwin Nunes, who I've yeah. been talking about since like episode two, since we started this podcast, because ever since I saw him for Benfica, I'm like, every time you see new players come through at Benfica, you have to keep an eye on them. Because when you keep an eye on them and you see where they're going to move to, Jao Felix, as we've talked about previously, having a great Europa League season in that first season. I remember him scoring a couple of good goals against Frankfurt in that quarter final, I believe. Frankfurt still ended up winning, but Jao Felix really set the Europa League on light in that group in that group stage and that knockout phase when he was there. And Darwin Nunes is doing exactly the same, scoring against Barcelona, scoring away to Bayern Munich, scoring away, obviously, to Ajax and actually getting the, the winning goal um, in the tie. Because everyone's been um, really hyping up Sebastian Haller for Ajax, obviously, but Darwin Nunes has been quietly going about his business until that game where the whole of Europe and probably the whole of world football is taking a notice of Darwin Nunes as a potential replacement for a lot of these uh, teams who actually need a new striker. Arsenal need a new striker. Man United are looking at a new striker. Man City are always in the market for a new striker as well. But Felipe, I just want to know from your point of view, how good is Darwin Nunes since you've seen him start and how good do you think he can be as a striker? Yeah, so Darwin has had an incredible growth from last season to this season. So he came to Benfica from Almeria as a great promise, um, a big uh, a big transfer to, to Benfica. So the first year, last year, he started well, but COVID hit him hard. And after that, he was never the same again. Uh, nevertheless, this season, he's in great shape. Darwin Nunes' characteristics are well-known, fast and predictable, good at dribbling with great capacity to play at the limit of offside and change speed. Um, I think she is, she is really good uh, uh, from the left flank, you know, because sometimes he's the number nine, but sometimes Yaramchuk, the Ukrainian uh, folk play in the middle, and then Darwin is more like a, a winger, you know, or a false nine coming from, from, from the left. I think left, the guy is, is best if, if he starts moving from the left to the center. Yeah. I, I would say that the best Darwin plays in depth, so with moving from left to center. Really? He's not, a, yeah, he's not a, 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 pure, yeah, a pure striker, you know, uh, uh, that killer instant, or uh, uh, a winger. I think he is in between. Uh, I would say he's more of a false nine, uh, like Juan Felix, uh, but uh, faster than Juan Felix, with a lot of mobility and capacity to press the opposing defense. So this 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 way that he pressed the the, the defense is really amazing. I believe that that uh, uh, Darwin Nunes will continue to 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 play in Benfica this season, but it will be really difficult to to continue next season. Yeah, absolutely. Because for me, I've only seen him play in the Champions League live. I've seen like highlights of him scoring, but obviously coming from the left, like you said. So I never knew that in terms of how he can actually play a lot better on the left-hand side than I thought he would in terms of how he can just drift on the left-hand side, play as a false nine and has a lot of mobility. Again, for a quite a tall striker as well. So he's quite tall, he's quite nimble, so quite quick mm-hmm. on his feet at the same time, which is really good to see. But for me, I'm I'm one of the few people who want Darwin Nunes to move to Manchester United. Not because I pick him on career mode and I buy him for career mode as well, Felipe. Because I think that genuinely this man is has got what it takes to be the next number nine at Manchester United. Uh, looking at probably staying for another five, six years if we were to buy him. And if we were to get an attacking manager like Pochettino or Ten Hag, it could be something where the number nine for Manchester United, obviously with Ronaldo, not really sure of where he's going to go. Cavani may leave at the end of the season. Marshall's already on his way out. We need someone who can stay there for a good number of years to lead the line for Manchester United. And I think with Darwin Nunes's maturity, with the way that he handles the ball really well close to his feet, like you mentioned as well, I think he scored 20 goals in the league this season from yes. 22 appearances. And obviously he scored the four goals in the Champions League, including that one, um, the winner against Ajax. So he's really good in the air, he's really good with the ball at his feet. But for me personally, I think he'd be... Another one of these players coming from Benfica, Sporting Lisbon, uh, Porto, respectively, from the Portuguese league, that can develop into a really good um, Premier League player. And I really believe that Darwin Nunes, again, not because I picked him on career mode one time, because he is actually a very good prospect for English football, for European football. And I think if Man United were to finish outside the top four this season, which is looking likely, I have to say that it is looking very, very likely, I think it's the case that 
realistically, we need a, a goal scorer who can score the good 15, 20 goals in a season to help us get further up that table. And with the likes of Arsenal looking into him, I think Juventus were looking into Darwin Nunes as well. Yeah. Manchester City, obviously. I think Manchester United should really be up there in terms of um, really trying to get this guy's signature on for, for us as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it with Darwin Nunes. But just before we move on to the next topic, Felipe, how are you looking forward to your trip to Anfield? Are you looking forward to seeing uh, Benfica play against uh, Liverpool? Because Liverpool are looking like one of the best teams in world football at the moment having one of the best players in world football at the moment with Mohamed Salah. How do you kind of see it going for Benfica when you were to play away? I think you're, you're away to Benfica, aren't you, first? And then you're coming back to... Um... No, first in Lisbon, then Anfield. Oh, first in Lisbon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Away yeah. goals don't count either way, so it's fine. But do you think history can repeat itself again and you can beat them again? Um, like you I, 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 I definitely hope so. Nevertheless, I think that will be quite quite challenging because... This, this Liverpool is a completely different uh, Liverpool uh, 10 years ago so mm. or six years ago or 15 years ago. So right now, players like Mo Salah, uh, like, you know, uh, all of Firmino and uh, Salio Mane, the guys are amazing. And uh, Klopp is a world-class uh, uh, coach as well. So just to say this, uh, Luis Diaz, that was the, probably the, the best player acting in Portugal with Darwin Nunes, is a substitute of Liverpool. So, yeah. uh, and and another important aspect is that Darwin Nunez and Rafa from Benfica as well. They are really fast players, but Liverpool defense they are really uh, quick. They are really fast. So Virgil Van Dijk, the guy is, is I think Virgil will will put in a pocket uh, pocket the Darwin Nunez to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, with, with his experience. So uh, I assume that it will be. Quite difficult. Uh, I think one thing that could benefit Benfica is uh, the game with Benfica. I think it's in between City game and another important game to 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 Liverpool. And Liverpool is also trying to to knock uh, City from the first place. So I think that could be also important to Klopp. Klopp. I hope that Klopp think more in on City than in Benfica. But I think they will be really tough. I think the, the first game will be the key. Uh, if, as I, I stressed before, if Benfica draw a nil nil or one nil for us or something like that, I think in Anfield we could play on counter attack like in, we did uh, uh, with Ajax. But I think it will be quite difficult, to be honest with you. I think uh, there are probably two or three teams that uh, for, for a team like Benfica is almost impossible to win. That is uh, Bayern Munich, uh, Man City, and uh, and uh, Liverpool. I I think it will be difficult, but I'm confident. You know, I, I Benfica is two times uh, uh, European champion, so Champions League, so everything could 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 happen. So the sky is the limit. <laughs> Definitely is, and the way I see it as well, the fact that Liverpool do have that Man City game in between the first leg and the second leg as well, it could mean that they may end up looking at resting players or they could be focused more because that is a title clinching game with the point difference at one or two at the moment between Manchester City and Liverpool. Benfica could sneak in there, give it their all, maybe rest some of their own players on the on the weekend mm -hmm. for their league game respectively. And it would be quite good. Um, but before um, we move on to the, the curse of Benfica, which I wanted to talk about as well, what mm -hmm. other players could you highlight to myself and to the listeners in terms of who could actually really hurt Liverpool because you mentioned Yarmouchuk previously, the Ukrainian international. We mentioned Darwin Nunes, but is there any, anyone else really in midfield, on the wings, in attack yeah. that can really penetrate and, and really isolate some of these Liverpool defenders? So uh, Rafa, Rafa is, is one of the probably one of the best players worldwide. So if you look into this this uh, uh, weekend goal that he scored against uh, against Sturil. Mm. It was like uh, I, I usually recommend everyone to see that 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 uh, that goal because he, he he recovered a ball from a corner and then he ran from the the the, the area to our own area and scored the goal. He dribbled four players, you know. He's really really fast. Uh, probably the faster player, as I, I mentioned before, from our uh, from our uh, championship. So I think Rafa definitely can hurt can hurt Liverpool. I think also a very good player is Julian Weigel, uh, okay. the German international. is our midfielder, our number six, but uh, more 
number eight, you know, but he's, he's acting uh, as, as number six. I think he's a really good player. So if you guys will, will watch the game against Liverpool, try to, to, to look into Julian Weigel, Rafa, Darwin Nunes, of course. And uh, there is a player that is a, a, a completely forward, that is the uh, Tarapt, Adel yeah. Tarapt from, from, from uh, KPR. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's completely unpredictable. Uh, sometimes he can be sent off in the first minutes, but uh, the game, the next game, he can play wonderful. So I think Tarap, it's 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 also uh, really unpredictable. And I think Liverpool, despite all the scouting, of course, all the match analysis, I think uh, Tarap could be could be if Tarap is in a good day. I think he could make a difference as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's great to see Adel Tarap have another lease of life after his time yes. at QPR and. Spurs respectively because he went around to a couple different clubs and didn't Mm -hmm. really find his place until he was really at Benfica when Benfica gave him a chance and it was really nice to see how he's playing in Champions League football where a lot of English fans have really appreciated him this season as well which is great to see he's at the end of his career around 32 33 years old but he's still actually playing a lot of games for um for Benfica at the moment because it's really good to see how he actually was in that Ajax game, especially against the, and the second leg, because again, from the highlights I saw, it was just good to see him play play deeper in midfield, not really being that number 10, but also being a deeper line midfielder and uh, controlling possession a bit more, which is really good with Julian Weigel, again, the former Borussia Dortmund centre midfielder. So that, that was quite good yeah. to hear. And I'm looking forward to this game now as well, more than more than most Man United games for the rest of the season, Felipe. So I'm looking forward to seeing Benfica against Liverpool in the Champions League. Um, in the next couple of weeks as well, which will be really good. Um, but no, I just wanted to know, and I think you'll know as well, Felipe, a lot of these uh, Benfica tournaments that we've seen, they've always gone for like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. But the fact of the matter is, when I went to Benfica Stadium, the Stadium of Light, uh, a couple of years ago, went with my friend and then I was, we, were, we were just talking and then the tour guide was like, oh yeah, that's got something to do with the curse. I don't know what we're doing. It's a picture of Eusebio, the statue. It's like, oh, yeah, that's because of the curse. Like, what curse? And then the tour guide said it later on. There's a curse of um, European... There's a European curse um, about Benfica. But I think you'd explain it better than I would, Felipe. So what was it about? It was a, the fact that Benfica are cursed to never win a European yeah. championship. Was that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So uh, after we won the two consecutive uh, Champions League, uh, 61 and 62... Mm. Our uh, uh, coach at that time was sacked. Uh, that is Bella Gutman, an Hungarian uh, coach, yeah. very well known at that time. And he, he said that uh, if he leaves Benfica, Benfica will never win, win another international competition for uh, one century. Yeah. And the guy, it's true because Benfica, uh, the, the, immediately the, the, the year after we play against uh, Milan, we lose. After a while, we play against Inter. We again, Man United, PSV, Milan again. So uh, always in European champions, but uh, also in UEFA Cup. Yeah. We, we lost against Anderlecht, against uh, Chelsea, and against Sevilla. Sevilla, Sevilla. Yeah. So I was there in Sevilla and uh, oh, in no, Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went. I went there and. Uh, all the fans was it's tonight, it's tonight because you know we, we were so much stronger. But that game was a complete disaster to us, especially because of the referee. You know, it was we were completely robbed. So, so it was it was a disgrace for us. It was four uh, two, wasn't it that night? It was four two uh, severe, wasn't it? Yeah, but in penalties, should in penalties, yeah, that was it. Yeah, uh, but but it was a complete disaster to us, and uh, we think that the the cart is alive. Mm. And everyone now, every, I think all the, the European, we are like Juventus has the same, not cursed, but uh, the, the Juventus have a lot of uh, last finals as well. They lose a lot of finals. Uh, so I think uh, uh, we have this curse, but we are trying to do our best to, to tackle it. But I think it will be, it will take longer in the Champions League. Of course, it's, it's, it's always a dream, but I think we can and curse ourselves in a competition like Europa League or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's one of those things that you never really see actually coming true. People put curses on, there'll be uh, people saying, oh, this will never happen. But the fact that it's actually happened for Benfica since the curse started <laughs> in the 
I think it was the 60s when it happened as well. Yes, then yes. You mentioned about how Man United beat them in 1968 and all the Europa League ones in the 1990s and 2013 and 14, which was year after year. So the curse is actually quite true in terms of how it yes. works out as well, which is really, really sad. But oh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe beating Liverpool than beating Man City <laughs> in a final would be great to see uh, Benfica finally ruin this curse. Because in the, in, the, in the age now of when so many rich teams and super rich teams are doing so well in, in sport, like Leicester last season in the FA Cup, it's, it's nice to see like an underdog come through and win a tournament. Villarreal as well in the Europa League. Yes. And yes. at the expense of Manchester United. But again, it was a, it was a nice little way of, of winning uh, as the underdog as well, which was great. Um, but yeah, that's just something I wanted to learn more about as well, which was quite cool. Um, going forward as well right Felipe now I'm going to get you to educate me and the listeners more about how um, Benfica have had so many amazing players over the past couple 10 years I'd say coming through to England why they kind of do really well when they come to England as well and why the quality is there is it through the scouting is it through the coaching is it the way of playing I really want to know because a lot of these players we're going to name all of them in, in quite a while but a lot of these players just to roll off the tongue Bernardo Silva, Nemanja Matic, uh, Lindelof, David Luiz, Cancelo even, Edison, of course, a goalkeeper. And obviously you've seen the likes of Di Maria go abroad um, to Real Madrid, PSG respectively, Semedo, of course, Luka Jovic, João Felix were mentioned. What is it about Benfica that really lights up players' careers? Because every time I watch a Benfica team, I'm always looking out for how well some of these players are. And like I mentioned about João Felix and Darwin Nunes over the last couple of years, just see yourself there's going to be more of this. And it is, I think it's down to probably the scouting and the coaching, but I want to know from your perspective, Felipe, being a Benfica fan and obviously a scout and a coach as well, what can you really tell us about what it is about Benfica that um, players love to go there and develop and become world beaters? So I think it's a mix of, of, of situations. So first of all, I think here in Portugal, despite we are a small country with only 10 million of, of inhabitants, we have a lot of... Uh, uh, good players, a lot of uh, technic players, you know. It's it's a small country with a lot of, of uh, good players. And our our kids... Uh, hello, Sal. How are you? Sorry, Hi, Dave. Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. I like thanks. your shirt. Oh, nice one, thanks. You okay? Uh, all good, all good. I've asked nice for one you. from Salem as well, but with HK yeah. on there as well. You need to get one I've from asked, SN. Uh, I've asked for another one, to be honest. That, that hasn't come yet, so... Nah, I, <laughs> I, I need one to promote the, the, the team on the podcast. And Felipe can promote in Lisbon as well, which would be yeah. the case. Um, actually, I'm actually planning to go Lisbon, to be honest. When? Uh, oh. I think in May. I'm not, I haven't decided yet, but... Without I'm me? Planning. Yeah, yeah, without you. Is it because I'm going to friendly. Miami instead? Yeah, that's it. You can't compete with that, can I? I can't compete with Lisbon. You have to go and meet Felipe now. On <laughs> yeah, 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 let me know. Let me know and we can catch up. But yeah, yeah Salim, we were just talking about how Benfica creates so many world beats. Uh, Felipe is telling us about how there's a bit of a mixture in terms of why so many great players have come from Benfica over the yeah, years. Yeah, to be honest, I was, I was actually looking into it and they won an award for Best Academy too. Yeah. Is that true, Felipe? Yeah, it's true. I think so, 2019 was it, Best Academy yes, Award. Yes, it? Best Academy Award. So I think it's a mix, as I mentioned before, a mix of, of things. Good players here in Portugal. Portugal, good scouting because we, we have a lot of players coming from uh, special Latin America, Brazil, Argentina. So mm. uh, we bring them uh, really and um, really new. So for example, uh, you mentioned Ederson, Jan Oblak. We, we, we bought him quite, quite young. Uh, João Felix the same here in Portugal and uh, I think we have also good coaches you know from, from the very beginning we see some good coaches in in, the, in our formation so our academy has a lot of good coaches and uh, like also, you uh, like you Felipe no you're, not you're, like me I, definitely like you I mean you've been a coach for how many years and you're literally just there like oh yeah we've got a couple of good coaches in Lisbon <laughs> definitely no, but, 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 but yeah. they have really good coaches yeah. See, the one thing I looked into, obviously, uh, I looked, obviously, I know like the Portuguese league. So we've obviously got Porto, Sporting, and obviously Benfica. But I didn't understand that there was the whole big three complex that you guys talk about. And obviously, Benfica is the most successful one. So, uh, yeah, I was just looking in. You know, they've won two European Cups too. So I was quite actually, yes. you know, quite pleasantly surprised. I think they've won the most league titles as well. I think it's 37 yes. or something. Yeah, 37, 37. Yeah, that's it. The last one was 2019, I 
think something like that. So they've not yeah. won yes, it for a yes. few years now. I was yeah. there. I mean, I wasn't there on a the match day, but I was there in 2019 when they when they won the league. So it was good to see. Yeah. I should have bought a kit, but I didn't. I'm just there like, my, my, my mentality at the time was, no, nah, I've spent enough money on the trip. I don't need to spend it on the kit, but I regretted it now. So I've got like a Benfica tracksuit as well. So that's kind of made up for it as well. Um, but no, Salim, you were saying, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say this whole time. I, I always thought it was like sort of Porto or something that were the biggest, but no, I've, they're looking into what each team's really like won and stuff. It's uh, Benfica by quite a mile, to be fair. Now we know why you're going to Lisbon in going to Portugal <laughs> to see the biggest team in Portugal. Yeah, but 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 to be honest with you, of course, Porto is our our rival. But Porto in this century, they are quite amazing. They won two to Champions League, they won two UEFA Cups or Europa League. So they are quite good. I have a lot of respect for Porto because they are they are always doing well in Champions League, always with with Ajax, sometimes with Benfica. Uh, are always in the, in the not in the decisions, but uh, always uh, pass through the group stage. So a lot of respect for for Porto. You know, I don't like them, but <laughs> you, you, huge respect, huge respect for them. And uh, also Porto and Sporting, they have huge academies with a lot of good players. So uh, especially in uh, Porto right now, there are a lot of good players uh, that will come up next season or even this season. So so they are unbeaten in our championship and. They have a really good players. Yeah, because yeah, I saw recently as well, I think Salim told me about it, is the fact that Benfica in the last 10 years or so, they've made £860 million. Pounds. Yes. Um, I don't it's, know what that is in euros, but it's just one of those things that he just forwarded to me, forwarded to me on Instagram. The, like, the, I, when he speaks I, to Felipe well, next, we'll get yeah. you to, to say that as well. Because it's incredible, isn't it? The amount of sales that you make from that. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah, especially with João Félix, Ruben Dias, uh, Cancel, and also Bernardo Silva, we, we earn a lot of money. But especially with João Félix, it was 130, I think. It mm. was, it was <laughs> I think right now it's impossible to do that. Definitely. Because it's like you saw players like uh, Renato Sanchez leave, Guedes to Valencia leave as well, Luka Jovic again. I think you bought him for like 6 million, then you sold him to 54 million pound uh, yeah. to Real Madrid as well. So that just keep it just keeps on going. It's a really good business model for a lot of teams out there to really follow in terms of really good scouting, investing in scouting and investing in really good coaches from the beginning, and then just selling these players on when you can re- replace them time and time and time again, which is really really fascinating to me as well. Because again, you sold Matic to Chelsea for like twenty million as well after buying yes. Matic from Chelsea yes. for like seven million pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny. No, it's really, it's really, really good. Um, but no, Salem, since you're here, we're going to do our six-a-side all-time yeah. Benfica team. So Felipe's obviously going first because I don't want to get embarrassed by saying like yeah. six random Benfica players. And he just, I, I want, I want Felipe to go first so he can tell us all about these other players that we don't know from the Benfica yeah. six-a-side little game. So, so it's quite challenging from my side because I, 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 I born in and and eighties, so so eighties, so ninety-eight. It, I saw a lot of players, uh, good players in Benfica, but uh, I, I used the, the, the rational, that rational behind it was all the, except one, uh, I watched every play that I will nominate live in stadium. So first- I have that mentality as well. Sorry, I always say that. I never say like legends or people I never see. That's everything I always say. I'm like, I have to watch these players to put them yeah. as legends as well. So yeah, yeah. nicely done, Felipe. I'll, I'll let you carry on. Yes, yeah, so the first is Michel Prodon uh, from, from Belgium. So mm. uh, he, he was a free transfer and, and uh, 94 after the World Cup that Brazil won uh, in, in the States. So uh, he's an amazing, he was an amazing goalkeeper. He saves Benfica every, every game. Benfica at that time was a nightmare. So he plays really well. So uh, in defense, uh, Ruben Dias, because uh, he's, he's, a, he's a monster. He, the guy is a monster. And uh, the, the way that he knocked uh, in City, it, the guy is a, the captain in two years. So I think it's, it's crazy. And you coached him as well. 
Don't forget yeah. that you coached him. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He said yeah, it I, last I, time I, he was on yeah, as well. Yeah, in Strelad Amador, the guy was there and, and mm. he's, he's a great player. He's a great player. And he's a great guy as well. He's a great, uh, you know, a human being. He's a great human being as well. Has so. he not sent you tickets yet, Felipe, to Manchester no, no. City? No, no, not oh, at no. all. <laughs> not at all. I prefer to, to watch Man United, to be honest, or Aston Villa. <laughs> you know us too well, Felipe. You've got us smiling again after, after that. Oh, my days. That's really, really good. But yeah, Ruben Diaz has to be in your team, which is really yeah. good. I still can't believe that you coached him. That was, fan- that was fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And then uh, Di Maria on, on the on the wing. Mm. And then uh, for me, two fantastic players that I will try to push. Uh, Pablo Weimar. Fantastic you know? player. Pablo yeah, yeah. Weimar. On, on the left wing, he's on the middle, but I will put the guy on the left, okay? Yeah. To have Rui Costa as my number yeah. 10. And then the only player I didn't uh, saw uh, playing, it's Eusebio, but Eusebio, it's our legend. It's like like uh, George Best from yeah. Man United. So I think it's, it's fair to have Eusebio in my team and he's, he's <laughs> like our, our legend, our legend. So so uh, my my six uh, saddle time is up for them. Ruben Dias, Di Maria, Pablo Weimar, Rui Costa, and Eusebio. Fantastic. Yeah, really good team that you've got there, Felipe. And, and I'm looking forward to, to, to understand your, your six side. Oh, no. My six side is just like plays that I just really enjoyed watching at the time. So it, it doesn't really make much sense to be, um, to be judging it. You can enjoy it, but it's not, it's not going to be the best of teams. Um, so me, I'm starting at the back with uh, Louis Zhao at the back. Uh, fantastic centre-back who I watched over the years for Benfica. When I think of Benfica, the first player that comes to mind is Louis Zhao. So Louis Zhao is someone that I have to put into my six-a-side team as well. Really, really fun player. And he lasted a long time in, in his career playing for Brazil and for Benfica. Uh, I think retired like 37, 38. So he's done really well at the top level um, to see Louis Zhao play as well. And then I've got... Um, I've got loads of number 10s in my team. So I'm going to start with Pablo Aymar. Pablo Aymar is someone who I very much enjoyed. Again, for Argentina and again, playing for Benfica. He's a lot more loyal than a lot of the other Argentine players that have gone to Benfica and leaves within a season or two. So it was really fun to see. And he's a very big throwback player to playing on like FIFA 2005 or 2006 and see him in the World Cup. Copper Americas, you'd always think of Pablo Aymar as well, playing well for Argentina as well, which was, which was really fun for me to see as well. Then I'm going to go for Rui Costa. So Rui Costa is someone who I've really enjoyed watching more at AC Milan than Benfica, to be fair. I think he did very well at Florentina, Fiorentina, but I never saw him play there. I saw him more at um, AC Milan as well, which is really fun to see. And I thought he was someone who was quite a special player. And the fact that he came through at Benfica, it kind, he kind of summed up what Benfica was about in terms of how players played, how he plays on the front foot, looking to entertain the crowd, looking to take on a man. And it was very very, very passionate about the game. And I've I said recently to on a different podcast, I was saying a lot of players are missing the passion from the game because this weekend uh, that just came, Felipe, there was a lot of um, uh, Aston Villa fans and fans saying, oh, Arsenal were over-celebrating after their mm-hmm. win against Aston Villa. I saw it, I saw it. Yeah, and I, I may have taken the mick out of Salim because um, he's an Aston Villa fan. But I was just, I was literally <laughs> saying like football is all about the passion and the celebration. You can complain about not having enough passion, but seeing Rui Costa especially when scoring his goals, it was really good to see how um, he actually cared a lot about his game, about the fans and really, really a fantastic player to watch. And we don't see many number 10s, many truquatistas like Rui Costa, um, like we do as well at the same time. Now I'm going to go for someone, well, actually, no, I'll go for um, Eusebio because Eusebio is, I've got a picture with his statue and rest in peace Eusebio for being such an amazing player, major legend, really putting Portugal on the map back in the 1960s when he was playing the 50s, when he was playing as well. Fantastic player to really watch the archives and learn more about as well, which is really what I've... I've been saying for a couple of years now, Felipe, since I've started this podcast, I want to do a series in the summer where I'm learning about all of these different legends because I never got to see them play. So I think you say you'd be one of them that I'd love to read and learn more about as well on a, on a podcast. I think it would be fantastic to see. Now I'm going to go for someone... Uh, who may not have been one of the better players for, um, for Benfica, but he was someone who I always saw year in, year out because of transfer rumours. So this man has been linked with Man United since the day he was born, Felipe. Literally since the day he was born. To the day he retired, 
Um, this guy is called uh, Nicholas Gaetan. Nicolo Gaetan. Yes. So Nicholas Gaetan is someone who every January transfer window, every summer window, Man United have agreed a 38.4 million bid for Nicholas Gaetan. Clickbait. It's clickbait. Nothing's happened. Oh, he's, he's disagreed with terms. He's, he's done this, he's done that. Salim will agree with me that he's a fantastic player to have on football manager. Mm. He was really yeah. good in that, in that period of 2013 and 14 when yes. he went to back-to-back Europa League finals. And he was a very fun player to watch playing as a right-footed, no, left-footed winger on the right or an attacking mm-hmm. midfielder behind the striker. So that was kind of when I was enjoying uh, Benfica the most in terms of watching Nicolas Gaetan. Because me being me at the time, I was watching Nicolas Gaetan thinking, oh yeah, he's going to be at Man United soon. And he never did. Do, do you know? Do you know where he is playing right now? Uh, no. Is, is he playing <laughs> in, in Passo de Ferreira in Portugal? Is like Burnley, you know, like Burnley or, or... Oh, no after, way. After all yeah. that, after yeah. all the hype, it was him yeah. and Wesley Schneider always linked with Man United every summer yeah. by yeah. every journalist. See, it's, it's a pity. See, you it's got, a you got an upgrade in the end. <laughs> well, we got Bruno Fernandes in the end. So that was like six years later as well. So. We did get a Portuguese. We did get a Portuguese player. But I think Gaetan was Argentinian, wasn't he? Yes, Argentinian. Yeah. Yeah, and then the sick player I've got is going to be a bit of a surprise, but I quite liked him. I, I was split between Nuno Gomez and Oscar Cardozo, who I thought. Was yeah, that's who I've got. Players. Oh, okay. Cardozo! I miss be, him. Yeah, it's going to be Cardozo because again, oh it's more the player that I got to watch properly. Nuno Gomez was in and out the Portugal side um, over the years, but he does get a shout out. Simao gets a shout out as well because I really enjoyed yeah. watching Simao, but more for Portugal than for Benfica. But Oscar Cardozo, uh, that left foot of his was incredible. Watching him play, watching him finish. He's one of those players I wish we saw more of in terms of in the Champions League and the Europa League as well. Fantastic player. And he's a big part of your, your history as well, your modern history. So mm-hmm. I really appreciated Nicolas Gaetan and Oscar Cardozo as well. So my team again was Luis Al. Nicholas Gaetan, Rui Costa, Pablo Aymar, Eusebio, and Oscar Cardozo. So I've not mentioned any of the players that we mentioned before because these mean a lot more to me because when I think of Benfica, I thought of those. I could have said like Matic or Lindelof to be that classic Man United fan. <laughs> of, oh yeah, let's go for the link. But no, it wasn't the case for me. Um, Salem, who are you going for in your six aside for Benfica? Yeah, so quite similar, but a bit different too. So I've got Edison in there. Mm. Uh, obvious choice. I mean, Man City paid like nearly was it fifty mil for him to get him over. One of the biggest bargains of overspending I've ever seen. Like when you <laughs> see that big, big money signings, it was a really good big money signing yes. for Manchester City. Then I've gone for Ruben Diaz and Matic. Obvious reasons again. Like Diaz, I can't believe how good he's been. I didn't think he'd be this good. But obviously, like you've seen him, uh, Felipe, more than we've seen him. It's because he trained uh, him. It's because you have a genius. It's true. It's true. Everyone's going to know this after the podcast that like you, you're the reason behind uh, Ruben Diaz. Man City's uh, title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, he made captain, you know, straight away. Everyone thought he'd be De Bruyne, but he ended up beating him. Uh, then Gaetan and Cardoza, two players I went for as well. But that's obviously football manager reasons more than anything. <laughs> but I think, I don't know if, correct me if I'm wrong, Cardoza, uh, Felipe, but Cardoza was like a set piece specialist too, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, so he used to take like free kicks and penalties yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, always with a lot of power, you know. Yeah, that's uh, and, it, like, and, like driven. Yeah, and the nickname of Cardoso is Takwara. Takwara is a big, a big tree, not the big tree, but a big arbus there in 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 Paraguay. And uh, and uh, the guy is competent. He's really good. He, he plays right now in Libertad in Paraguay, and uh, he continues to strike. You know, five minutes. Yeah. Puts there the ball inside in, in of net. So the guy is amazing. I really so it was my one of my favorite players of all time. You know, uh, because he's resilient. He's really really good player. He, I think he, if I recall, and we had a special song for him. So everyone know the song. You know, uh, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so like, I think I've definitely seen like what remember watching him in the Champions League against like yeah. sort of English teams as well, sort of scoring couples. So he was always good in football manager. He was great. And then I've gone yeah. for Felix up top. I don't think Felix's career sort of taken off as much as he probably would have liked, but he's mm-hmm. been a lot better this season. Uh, like, what was your opinion on that? Yeah. So, so I mentioned I mentioned this uh, during the podcast. I think right now the problem of uh, João Felix is not uh, João Felix. 
I think it's also about uh, Atletico Madrid tactics and Diego Simeone mindset. So uh, Atletico Madrid plays in a very particular way. So I, I assume yeah. that if João Felix moved to City, for example, uh, or or other club that that uh, he could play in more have more ball, you know, more possession. I think that uh, João Felix will play really, really good. So I think João Felix, like you know, like a false nine in City, yeah. like like Jesus when Gabriel Jesus is in mm. pretty good shape. But from the technique perspective, uh, João Felix it's it's is is amazing. He's amazing. So do do you think he'll leave then? Anytime soon, or do you think yes. he'll stay? Yeah, yeah, I think he, he I, I think I think I think the football is not right for him there. I think he needs to go to somewhere where he can express mm-hmm. himself better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh, 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 Villa, if Villa can can buy him, I think it will be <laughs> Grealish. Grealish will be, you know, just a, a small guy if, if compared with with Phil, but Felix. We've got, we've got continue. Yeah, I know, I know. Continue, continue. It's an amazing player, but you know, I, I think that that is a really good. Uh, a player to play in in the top six uh, in, in Premier League. So so I, I I hope that he goes to a really good club, not Arsenal. <laughs> but but uh, to be honest with you guys, I think a guy that in Arsenal will be a nightmare is Darwin Nunez. I think if he moves there, yeah, he's linked. You know, it's 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 like Obama Young with Obama Young. It's on 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 top form. So uh, the five years, three years ago, or two years ago, or four years ago. So I think that that uh, the best years of Joan Felix will will be near soon. Uh, yeah, to be honest, it'd be good if he if he does come and we get to see him in the prem. But another thing I'd say is like a lot of these sort of Portuguese talent are like quite underrated. When you think like like sort of um, the player that's linked with Arsenal as well, Nuno. I mean, I've heard some mixed things that he's not like all that. But then you look at people like Ruben Diaz, Edison, you know, Matic, all these guys, everyone thought they'd come and they'd struggle in the Prem and, you know, they've sort of won titles or, you know, they've sort of been the best player in their position for year, like a couple of years too. So I think I think people need to, I think we mentioned it before as well about Portuguese players that, you know, they're kind of overlooked. But hopefully with more of these guys coming over, we can see their true potential. Yeah, there is a player that is particularly uh, not uh, not uh, so known for you guys probably that is Ricardo Huerta from Braga. Mm. Uh, they will play against the Rangers, so uh, try to look at him carefully because this guy is poor class. Uh, mm. I think he's uh, he's twenty seven or twenty something, twenty seven or eight, something like that. But he's amazing player. He is the second best. Uh, scorer of the Portuguese league right now. He's a midfielder, you know, number 10. Yeah. Uh, like like uh, not like Aymar, but uh, the same the same way of play and uh, try to look at him to 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 understand more about him because he's really good and I assume that he will move uh, next season to to a bigger club. It's Ricardo Horta with an H. Horta, yeah, yeah. I've, Horta, seen, I've, I've heard yeah. of him. Horta, yeah. is a very good player. Again. Not, not, not Andre Horta. Andre Horta is his brother. It's Ricardo. Oh, okay, Ricardo. Ricardo Horta. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the the attacking midfielder winger. It rings a bell it, now. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Felipe, who else can you recommend to us so who we can have a watch out for? Because every time you say it to me on the podcast or to us, we look at these players and 12 months later, we see them in like big clubs. Because you mentioned to me at least a year Nuno ago, Mendes. you told, me, it was Nuno told us Nuno Mendes yeah. in the summer. You told me, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember Nuno Mendes. You told me Trincao and now is at Wolves. We, we mentioned yeah. Trincao and I'm just saying like, okay, Felipe, you, you literally know about all of these players. I need to know so I can know. Um, okay, so I, I, will I, I will highlight some. So first of all, I think Vitinha from Oporto. He play, I think, one, one here in Wolves. Mm. Vitinha is the center midfielder. It's his name. It's Vitor Ferreira, yeah. but uh, his nickname is Vitinha. Yeah, uh, from Oporto. From uh, from uh, Sporting, you guys have Palinha. João Palinha is the the number six. He's very good. I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching him in the Champions League. I know they got knocked out, but he was very good to watch. Palinha. Yeah, I think he yeah. should have been starting for Portugal in that number six ahead of um, uh, Danilo personally, especially yeah. in the Euros. And another guy is Mateus Nunes from Sporting. That mm. uh, Guardiola gives a big shout after the game against Sporting. 
So I think it's a matter of time he goes to, to, to City or to England at least. Yeah. Um, also, there is a really good guy in 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 uh, uh, Sporting that is a former City player that is Pedro Porro, mm. the the right the right uh, uh, right back. So he's quite good. And there is a huge player in in from my perspective in in, in Benfica that is uh, Julian Weigel, our number six. Yeah. Uh, that that is quite good, and also Grimaldo, our left uh, back. I think he will move. Yeah, I've loved Grimaldo for years. Again, football manager, FIFA career mode. Yeah. I think he should be at the very top because he plays consistent football year in, year out. And yeah. I think he, will, he should... will move. No, he'll move to Barcelona. So there is a, world, a, a very long history between the two of them. So he, yeah. he started playing in, in La Masia for, for mm-hmm. very quite young. And then Benfica scout him and then bring to Benfica. But right now, I think he will move after this year to to returns to, to Barcelona, I think. So okay. I would say that Vitinha from Oporto, uh, Palhinha, Pedro Porro, also the um, Mateus Nunes mm. from Sporting. There is also a good player that is Pedro Gonçalves. We call them Pot. Yeah, he's very good. Pedro Gonçalves. Really I good. think he should be playing for Portugal a bit more as well because I think it's a very entertaining midfielder, winger type player as well. Uh, Sporting Lisbon, I think, is playing for at the moment. So again, he was part of that team where they lost 5-0 to Man City. Yeah. But he's a very good player and he's done very well um, to get through the group stages at, at the time. Well, he's going through the group stages at the time. But it's really yeah. good to see sport in Lisbon against the likes of Dortmund, against the likes of Ajax. As he was very entertaining to watch on the ball. And that's what I love about Portuguese players. To go back to Grimaldo, I saw him when Benfica played Man United in 2017 in the group stage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, he's better than... Um, Luke Shaw who we had at the time Jose Reno should have signed him up then and there but he didn't and we just left it year and year out so that's when I got my first glimpse of Grimaldo probably I think he's similar to Evra you know to Evra he has the guts he speeds and also he's very good crossing ability and also he's a specialist set piece specialist so I think fullbacks are very important players maybe the most important player in a football team these days when you think about how much they do yeah, that's how yeah, I definitely. see it. It's, it's, it's very difficult to be a fullback, but there's so much to do in terms of being a fullback now as well, Felipe. That's how I see it personally as well. <clears throat> um, yeah. But no, Felipe, just before we let you leave, I just wanted to kind of ask you in terms of, I think Salem will have a couple of questions before you leave as well. But I just kind of wanted to ask you in terms of um, Benfica at the moment. Do you kind of see Benfica challenging um, over the next couple of years? Do you think they're going to stay in the Champions League and c- continue to qualify? Because it's really rare when you see three Portuguese teams qualify all at the same time for the group stage of the Champions League. And I thought it was quite fascinating because for me, it's a breath of fresh air when you see Sporting Lisbon, Porto and Benfica all in the same tournament at the same time. But do you kind of think that could be the future of Portuguese football, the, the big three teams continuously playing Champions League football? Yeah, so so that is a good question, really good question, because I think it will it will be possible, uh, depending the new way that UEFA structures uh, Champions League. I think that yeah. that will be pretty uh, pretty important. So I think for Benfica for Benfica situation, I think right now it's just a matter of the coach. I think we'll need a, a really good new coach for us. Sporting as a brilliant coach, you know, Ruben Amorim, uh, it's a former uh, player for Benfica and right now he's coaching Sporting. So Sporting won the championship almost 20 years after yeah. a huge gap. So uh, Ruben Amorim, it's a matter of time, will coach someone in Premier League. So it's just a matter of time. He will be there. So uh, Wolves, or but Wolves with Brumelage is a very good hand. So I think Ruben Amorim is a really good coach. So I think Porto is always a, a good team. They are always really competitive. So I think... They're unbeaten this season, aren't they, in the league? Yeah, yeah. yeah in the league, yeah. Domestic, the, the guys are amazing. I think uh, with Ajax, I think uh, more Porto and Benfica than Sporting. Sporting, it's like a, golf, a dolphin, you know? The guy is 20 years <laughs> under the water and then there is one, one here that the guys come come up so oh, I think that's a good analogy that <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's more about that but uh, regarding Benfica and Porto I think uh, along with with Ajax mm. I think are all the only three clubs right now that could uh, 
interfere with the, the big the big five. Yeah. The big five. Four, four, big four, because right now with PSG, we never know. Yeah, and mm. it's, it's better to see teams like Benfica and Ajax come through than the likes of PSG when they buy all their success and don't really get any further than what they already have as well, to be fair as well. Um, but Salem, did you have anything you wanted to add or ask Felipe um, just before we wrap up the podcast? Um, it was more so like, where, where do you, like, why did why Benfica so far apart away from the title this season? And do you think they can genuinely challenge next season? Yeah, so that is a really good question. I think it's it's uh, we 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 are right now. Despite we have an uh, unbelievable Champions League, uh, internally we are in a really bad shape. I, I compare Benfica with Man United, you know, because it's about the the, the president, about the board, but also mm-hmm. about the, the the coach, because uh, like Ralph, uh, our our uh, coach is more about the, you know the youth. It's more uh, about the new the new systems, but uh, what we need it's a very good coach. You know, you you guys probably need uh, Man United probably need, uh, Pochettino or someone like Pochettino, and uh, we we need some someone like you know uh, Sergio Conceição from Oporto or Ruben Amorim from Sporting because Benfica has everything. So we have the the, the supporters, the stadium, the facilities. Uh, the players, because we have huge players, but we don't have the coach. So I think it's just a matter of if the board understands uh, that, I think it's just a matter of uh, trying to bring our talents and and uh, we can uh, compete uh, internally. Because if we can compete with Barcelona uh, and with other clubs like Ajax, it's, it's, mm. not, it's not difficult to, to, to beat uh, teams like uh, Sporting because, for example, Ajax humiliated Sporting two times: five-one in Lisbon and four-four-one or four-two in in Amsterdam. And and Benfica plays really well against against. I think it's more about the mindset, you know. I think Villa has the same problem sometimes when Villa mm. plays against big clubs, uh, not Arsenal. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm always kidding. Sorry, it's <laughs> okay. Arsenal supporters, <laughs> it's going to be tough, but. Uh, if you, when Villa play, I, I really like uh, Birmingham. I really like uh, Villa. When Villa play against top clubs, they always perform or all, almost performs really well. But when you play with clubs in the mid tier or low tier, they, it's, it's that games that that are more challenging for for, mm. for Villa. And um, I, I think I think uh, the, the mentality here it's pretty the same. It's Easy to play against Barcelona, uh, Ajax, Liverpool, but it's for Benfica right now. It's not easy to play against uh, clubs like Sturil and other uh, clubs here in Portugal. And uh, this this season, we we lost our championship in the home game. You know, against clubs like Portimonense, we lost one nil. We drew a lot of times. So I think just a matter of mindset as well. Would you take Bruno Lage or Marco Silva? As next manager, I, I, you, you know, Bruno Lage for me, it's one of the, the best uh, coaches in the entire world. I think, to be honest with you, I think the guy is quite, uh, uh, you know, uh, really focused on that. He's not that coach that uh, you think, oh, the guy is brilliant in the communicational uh, aspect of it, but the guy is into the weeds regarding uh, coaching. Yeah. He, he, he has everything. I really like uh, Brumlaj, but I think it will be quite challenging right now because Premier League, it's, it's tough. Because so Marco, Marco Silva, is he at Fulham, um, Salah? Yes, Fulham, yeah. yeah. He's doing great. He's doing, I think Benfica will hire uh, between Abel Silva from, from Palmeiras, you know, the Copa America, uh, Copa Libertadores, sorry, uh, yeah. champions, two times, twice, uh, and probably Marco Silva or Leonardo Jardim. I have... Uh, a secret that I, I must tell to you guys that uh, I think Mourinho will come to Benfica wow. in the next two, three, I hope next season, to be honest, because I think Mourinho, it's a lot of guys say this guy is wasted right now, but for Benfica, you know, for our reality, it's to like to have, you know, uh, Guardiola in City yeah. or something like that. So, Secretly, I have this desire, and I think that for even for Mourinho, because I don't know if you guys know the, the all the story of Mourinho. So Mourinho starts in Leiria, then starts in Benfica, 
you know, the first club oh, that okay. to to because he was scout, he was the, the assistant of Bobby Hobson, and then Benfica yeah, yeah. hired the guy with the guy with no one, and then he was unbelievable. And then we sacked Mourinho because we changed our boards, yeah. you know. And then Mourinho, you know, all the, the rest is history, yeah. Going yes. to Porto so, so and winning. I think if, even for Mourinho, Benfica is, you know, it's, he wants to, you know, finalize and to hoop everything in just one one big final club before he joined national team, I would say. So Definitely. I mean this is my nuggets, my nuggets regarding Benfica next season. I mean, everything you've told us over the last couple of times you've been on, Felipe, has come out to be true. Trincao is a very good winger to, to watch in the Premier League. Nuno Mendes, as you mentioned before, in the Euros has become very good and playing for PSG now. Could become a permanent deal, um, the loan as well. So if Mourinho ends up at Benfica next season, I know like you're literally a fortune teller at the end of the day. <laughs> so so I, I will try to say that Man United will play really well next season and Villa will, will win at least the NFA Cup. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. We'll get that clip back up and I'll just be like, we're playing really well. We're playing better than what we can do, which is great. And then Salem's at Wembley celebrating with an FA Cup. That's something that I'd love yeah, to see. Which would be great. Um, but no, Felipe, as always, thank you very much for joining the podcast. It's finally been great to be talking to you more about your boyhood club, Benfica, about Portugal that we mentioned earlier on the podcast as well with the World Cup qualifications. And hopefully we'll be seeing Ronaldo in Qatar in 2022. But Felipe, are we going to see you in Qatar in 2022. I was just going to ask that when yeah. you tickets or not. No, we, we, we can coach a national team. So mm. if, if, if you guys want, we can coach a national team. So I'm kidding. So, but definitely, uh, if, if Portugal go to, the, to to Qatar, I will try to be there. And especially if, you, if also if uh, you, you guys go, probably we will, we will meet there again. That would be Hopefully, fun. Yeah. But yeah, but Salem... in person. If, if Salem confirms that trip to Lisbon, um, to Portugal, uh, hopefully you guys get to meet something. Yes, as well. and yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have to confirm that to let you know. Definitely. Yes, brilliant. We'll, we'll be guys, good. thank you very much for your time and for inviting me. It's always a, a huge pleasure to, to discuss football with such a huge monsters like you. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> nah. And, and, Felipe, uh, you're too kind, honestly. That. Monsters like us in football. like we're, No, we're, you. I, I always follow like, your... Like, your 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 podcast and i think it's it's an amazing an amazing uh, podcast that i think uh, all of us should hear because we learn a lot from you guys thank you very much thank no, you, no, thank it's, you. It's, it's our pleasure and thank you for teaching us more from um, obviously from portugal because again you feel like you know a lot of things but the things you've told us is just brand new for for me and for salem as well i would say which would be really good as well and what a great return to the podcast um everyone thank you very much for listening take care and goodbye <laughs>